I was asked today to look at and give an introduction about David in the palace and how he behaved in front of Saul. But before I start by giving this introduction, I'd like to give an introduction to my introduction. David was anointed three times. If we go, so we, last night we saw the first one when he was anointed by Samuel. But then if we go to second Samuel, we find two more instances which people anointed him. The, between the first instance and the third one, David went through times of trials, times of difficulties. And although he was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16, he didn't actually get the kingdom until much later on in 2 Samuel. During this time of trials, God put him through the school of faith, just like many other uh, godly men. But the result came and the declaration came at the end that David was a man after my own heart. I'd like to look at the first three kings which reigned over Israel. The first one is Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. Now, each one of these three kings was given a heart. Saul in 1 Samuel 10, we read that he was given another heart. It doesn't say that he was given a pure heart or a new heart, just another heart. And what I understand by another heart is he was given a zealous heart, but it was zealous for the wrong reasons. Saul was zealous for his own enemies for his own benefits he had he didn't have a place for god in his in his head an example is first samuel 11 uh, verse 6 and 7 we get an enemy coming against israel they are the men of jabesh gilead and then in verse 6 it says and the spirit of god came upon saul when he heard those words and his anger was kindled greatly here we see his zealous Verse 7, and he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, whoever comes not forth after Jehovah. No, he doesn't mention Jehovah. He doesn't even mention Samuel first. He mentions his name first. And then again in chapter 14 is another example. Chapter 14 and verse 24. Mentions, but the men of Israel were distressed that day. Now Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth food until evening, and until I'm avenged on Jehovah's enemies. No, again, he mentions on mine enemies. He had a zealous heart, but it was for the wrong reasons. Solomon was given a heart of understanding. He prayed and he said, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart, which is a good thing. But at the end of his life, we read that at the end of his days, his wives turned away his heart. David was something completely different. David prayed in Psalm 51 and he said, create in me a clean heart. And that's why God in Acts 13 says, I found David a man after my own heart. Now, for my introduction, I'd like to look at uh, what characteristics did God see in David that pleased him while he was in Saul's palace. I'm going to talk about his obedience and his trust in God. I'm going to talk about his humility. I'm going to talk about his diligence in his work and how, he's, how he prospered. And we'll see how we go. Let's start by obedience and trust in God. We saw that yes, yesterday that David was anointed. And before his anointing, he was working as a shepherd, although he had much older brothers, probably much more stronger than he was. But no one did the job except 
him. He obediently went and he looked after his father's sheep. But I want to look after he was anointed. So in 1 Samuel 16, after he, after he was anointed, he went back to tending his father's sheep. He didn't say to his father, look, I quit. I've got a new job offer here. I'm going to work as a, as a king and I don't have any time for you. No, his obedience, he does the small tasks first and then leaves everything in, in God's hand. That's the first example of his obedience. The second one in chapter 16 as well, uh, in verse 20, after the evil spirit came upon Saul, he sent to Jesse and he says, then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me David, thy son, who is, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass with bread and a flask of wine and a kid and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And then and David came to Saul and stood. That's the second instance of obedience. Now, this second instance was much more difficult. Going to Saul's palace was very risky. What if Saul had heard what Samuel did, that Samuel had anointed him? What if this was just a plan by Saul to kill David? But he was someone who committed his way unto Jehovah and he relied upon him and he, he will bring it to pass. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your understanding. He trusted the Lord that he is in control of his situation. And if God anointed him king, he will bring it to pass. And there's no need to fear Saul. He probably went, he had faith. And he thought that the angel of Jehovah encampeth round about those who fear him and he delivereth them. No fear at all from Saul. And he obediently follows his father. Because he trusted in the Lord, the Lord used this time in Saul's palace as a free work experience for him. Just like Moses did. Uh, Moses was raised up in his enemy's palace. And so did David. And... The Lord used this time to show him the corruption of those who live in the palace, how uh, not to live, how to be different, how to witness for the people around him. He went to Saul and he obeyed to serve, although he was the anointed king. Going and obeying is something, but then going and serving while you're king is something else. It reminds us of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 13, and I'd like to read this portion. Starting from verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he came out from God and was going to God, same as David, knowing that he was anointed, he rises from supper and lays aside his garments. And having taken a linen towel, he girded himself. Then he pours water into the washhand basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Again, he took the Lord as an example and he served while being while, while he was anointed as king. The next instance of his obedience is in chapter 17 and verse 15. It says, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. David could have thought at this moment, finally, at last I thought I was in the palace. I'm one step closer to becoming king. Why do I have to go back to, the, to looking after the sheep? But again, as we said, he trusted the Lord. Maybe in our life, some things don't go according to plan. We feel like this is completely against what God told us before. But if everything in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your understanding. 
the obvious choice for, for David was to be there in the palace at that time, close to the decision makers. Uh, in case something goes wrong, he'll be the first one to jump on the throne. But no, God had another purpose. He sends him back to the sheep and he ob- obediently follows. The next instance is in chapter 17 as well. Verse 17, it says, And Jesse said to David, his son, Take, I pray for thy brethren, this ephah of parched corn and these ten loaves. And then he gives them a few more things. And take it to thy brethren. David didn't have to go. Three of his brothers, we understand, went to the army. But there's four more sitting at home. No one went instead of him. And no one even went with him. He doesn't mind. He doesn't say, why do I have to do everything? He goes and he obeys. And let's see how he obeyed. Verse 20, it says, And David rose up early in the morning. A reminder of Abraham, who, when asked to offer up Isaac, rose up in the morning, early in the morning. Obedience requires sacrifice. If we turn over the page in verse 22, after a long journey, towards the end of the verse, it says, And that David left the things he was carrying in the hand of the keeper of the baggage and ran into the ranks. He's not walking. He's someone who is keen to accomplish what his father sent him to do. He ran into the ranks. Again, in verse 48 of the same chapter, again, halfway down in the verse, it says, and he came and advanced to meet David, that David hasted and ran towards the ranks. Again, he runs. In verse 51, and David ran and stood upon the Philistine. He's someone who is active. He rises up early in the morning. He runs and he runs and he runs after long journeys. That's the first point. That's his obedience and trust in God. I'd like now to look at his faithfulness. And if we go to 1 Samuel 17 and verse 20, it says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. He took the Lord, the great shepherd, as an example. He couldn't leave the sheep behind to no one. He's not someone who works for wages and doesn't care about the the sheep. No, he leaves them behind to someone to look after. He's like the Lord who, when he was walking in the Gospels and he saw the crowd cast away like sheep without shepherds, it says that he was moved with compassion. He had the same heart, the same shepherd's heart. Saul, on the other hand, is something completely different. Saul wasn't even a shepherd. He was, I don't know if you can say that, he was a shepherd for donkeys. He looked, for, looked after donkeys. And even doing that job, he wasn't very faithful in doing. When he went, when his father sent him to look after the donkeys, he looked for a short period of time. And then he told his servant, let's go back, lest my father forgets about the donkeys and be anxious about us. All he cares about is him and him only doesn't care about even the donkeys which he was asked to look after another point about david's faithfulness is first samuel 17 as well verse 28 we get opposition um, for david so verse 28 it says and eliab his eldest brother heard while he spoke to the men and eliab's anger was kindled against david here we get the first opposition to david Someone came and tried to accuse him of being proud. He doesn't spend time looking after or defending himself. 
he brushes the accusation aside. He's got a task that he needs to accomplish and he moves forward. The second accusation or the second uh, opposition came in verse 33 from Saul. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine. Again, another someone trying to put him down from the task which he was sent to do. Again, he um, tells him in verse 37 that Jehovah who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Again, brushes this opposition aside and continues towards his task. The last opposition came in verse 42. It says, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Again, another mockery, but nothing stopped David. He was faithful. Whatever he received from God, he went and he made sure to accomplish it. Reminds me of Paul in Acts 20 and verse 24. He says, but I make no account of my life as dear to myself so that I, so that I finish my course and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus. He was someone who didn't care about the opposition. He cared about just doing what God wanted him to do. For us, it's a lesson that if we're faithful in the small things, if we're faithful looking after the, the sheep, God will put us rulers over many things. And that's what we get in Psalm 78, which we looked after, I looked at yesterday. That God tells him he was, he chose him. Okay, let's read it. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the suckling ewes. He brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. He was faithful after the small lambs, and God made him uh, a ruler and someone who could look after his people. Same for us. If God gives us a service, he's the one who's going to judge it at the end. It's not Eliab, and it's not Saul, and it's not Goliath. The Lord is the one who's going to stand at the end and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over few. I'll make you faithful over many. The next good characteristic I like about David is his diligence. Chapter 18, verse 5, it says, And David went forth whithersoever Saul sent him, he prospered. Again in verse 14, And David prospered in all his ways. And Jehovah was with him. Notice how he says in all his ways. That's a lesson for us. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then also a picture of the Lord Jesus about whom we read. He hath done all things well. David was a good example about integrity and prosperity. And then verse 15, it says, and Saul saw that he prospered well. And then if we go towards the end of the chapter of chapter 18, verse 30. It says halfway down, and it, and it came to pass whenever they went forth that David succeeded better than all the servants of Saul, and his name was much esteemed. He was like Joseph in Genesis. It says that Jehovah was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Just like Daniel, that Daniel succeeded, and he was prosperous in the time of Darius and another king. Again, an example is the Lord Jesus, who we read about in Isaiah 53, that he was, that the pleasure of God prospers in his hands. And about whom in Psalm 1, which cannot be applied to anyone else, it says that 
anything that he does, he prospers. David was someone who was, had integrity, and because Jehovah was with him, he prospered in everything he did. The next point is his humility. Chapter 17 and verse 58, after he uh, beat Goliath, we read, And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, young man? And David said, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. He didn't respond and said, I'm the one who just saved you and your people after 40 days of being mocked by Goliath. He responds and he says, I am the son of thy servant Jesse. He knows that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the meek. He learned from his Lord who said, Learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And the next uh, instance which shows us his humility is chapter 18 and verse 18. It says, And David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my life, all my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? Again, he doesn't give himself more than he deserves. He, again, he maintains his humility. Another instance is when he was speaking with Eliab in chapter 17. Eliab accuses him in chapter 17, verse 28. Halfway down, he says, Why art thou come down, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Now David was anything but proud. And he himself said that in Psalm 131. In his prayer to the Lord, he says, Jehovah, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters and in things too wonderful for me. He wasn't, as you described, Eliab. He was a humble man. He was like... He didn't reply to Eliab. He just brushed aside his accusation. He was like the Lord who, when reviled, he reviled not back. And when threatened, when suffering, he did not threaten back. Again, that's a good example for us to show humility. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. David was meek and he inherited the earth. He took care of God's people from from that point. Another good characteristics is he was a good witness to those around him. First Samuel 16, and then verse 18. It says, and one of the young men answered and said, behold, I have seen. And then he lists really good examples about David, things which he learned from the Lord. He's a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, skilled in playing. He's a valiant man, a man of war and skilled in speech, and of good presence. And then at the end, it's like the cherry on top, and Jehovah is with him. Um, again, uh, if we go to chapter 18, verse 12, it says, And Saul was afraid of David because Jehovah was with him. Verse uh, 14, And David prospered in all his ways, and Jehovah was with him. 28, and Saul saw and knew that Jehovah was with David. What do we, what kind of impression do we leave to the people around us at work, uni, school? Do we leave the sweet smelling savor of Christ? 
or do we cause this blessed name to be blasphemed upon? If you notice here that David, the servant, saw that God was with him. And Saul saw that God was with him. And David himself knew that God was with him. In Psalm 23, he says, I shall not fear evil because you are with me. And the same thing for us. The people around us are going to see if, if God is with us or not, based on what behavior and what characteristics we display. Compare that with Saul, for example, in uh, chapter 16 and verse 14. It says, and the spirit of Jehovah departed from Saul and an evil spirit from Jehovah troubled him. And then Saul's servant said to him, behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles thee. So when there's an evil spirit, the people will notice. And when there's Jehovah with you, the people will notice as well. Are we like Lot, believers in secret? Or are we like Abraham who was told, you are a prince from God among us? The last point that I would like to look at is a story which combines many of David's characteristics together to show how he was a godly man. In chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, in verse 8, it says, And there was war again. And then I expected to see, and Saul went out. But it says, And David went forth. Because as we said, Saul doesn't care about God's enemies. He fights his own battles. And Abigail knew this. And when she spoke to David, she said, My, my Lord fights the Lord's battles. And there was war again. And David went forth. And he fought with the Philistines and smote them with a great slaughter. And they fled before him. Here we see his, in his prosperity. And an evil spirit from Jehovah was upon Saul, and he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. I expected Saul, I expected David after winning this great victory and he's coming back. He's probably singing, if a host encamp against me, I will not be afraid. If an army rises against me in this, will I be confident? He's probably happy coming back, waiting to hear some good words from Saul, some appreciation but nothing. He finds Saul in a bad mood and he finds him with an evil spirit upon him. What does he do? He puts aside his uh, sword and his armor and everything from, from the battle and he picks up his harp. He was someone who was faithful. He knew that God put him there for a reason and he started playing the harp for him. And instead of the appreciation, we read in verse 10, and Saul sought to smite David and the wall with his spear. With, uh, instead of good words, he found the spear and the javelin pointed at his face. And then verse, end of verse 10, it says, and David fled and escaped that night. If we notice at the start in verse 8, it says, that the, he smote the Philistines with a great slaughter and they fled before him. David made the whole uh, army of the Philistines flee before him. But when it came to Saul, he fled from Saul. The point is, when the Philistines was fighting against him, he was fighting for the Lord's battle. And that's why he made them flee from before him. But when it was his battle against uh, Saul, he decided to flee. He knew that Jehovah will fight for you. Um, and in this point, we see his trust in God. This instance reminds me of the Lord Jesus in John 18. In verse 5, 
they came to him to catch him, and they said, he said to them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus says to them, I am he. And Judas also, who delivered him up, stood with them. When therefore he said to them, I am he, they went away backward and fell to the ground. Similar to what happened to the Philistines, how they fleed from before him. Verse 7, he demanded of them, therefore again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you, I am he. If ye seek me, let those go away. And it's as if David here was saying, he fleed because he was saying, the cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? It's not my time now to fight against Saul. Every I, Jehovah, will hasten it in its time. And so that's the conclusion of my introduction. We've seen his integrity, his faithfulness, his obedience, his good testimony, and his humility. May we learn from David's life. Actually, may we learn from the Lord of David who taught David in his school of faith.